You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. What's going on, rookies? Welcome to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I am your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Thanks to Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba premium performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also, thank you to Dakota283, thank you to Cable Gangs, and thank you to OnX Hunt. Check all them out. Just look them up. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail here. Um, Cable Gangs, hit up Brennan, mention the podcast. You'll get a choice of a free tether or a free 24-inch drop amazing system i really really love it my wife loves it for around the house she can stake the dogs out for a little bit during the day switch things up a little bit um dakota 283 you know we have the giveaway happening it closes july 30th so get those upland stories in uh just email them to me uplandbrits at gmail.com also onyx hunt the most comprehensive digital mapping system out there guys this system is an app it's amazing i was on it today i was on it yesterday i cannot get off onyx i've been on it for a few years um great great digital mapping system drop waypoints share waypoints um the layers that they have are endless so i cannot say enough about onyx but I have a promo code for you to use, <laughs> TUR20. It's going to save you 20% off your Onyx subscription. And I know I mentioned the Dakota 283 uh, giveaway. Uh, giveaway closes end of July, July 30th. Um, I'll announce the winner on the following week's podcast. Uh, that'll be the first podcast in August. So, get your entries in um the bonus entry section um i've had a few questions on it but pretty straightforward guys um go ahead and just email me um, or message me i don't care how you get it to me message me on instagram message or email me whatever is easier just write down your upland story how you got started up on hunting and how you got started with bird dogs um, that's going to be worth five extra bonus entries um, if you also want to do a video format of this, um, just sharing your Upland story via video, post it um, on your Instagram account, tag the Upland Rookie, use the Upland Rookie podcast uh, hashtag. That's another five bonus entries. So you got a couple choices, whatever you're more comfortable with. I know a lot of you um, like, like video, some of you don't, some of you don't like writing, some of you do. So it just depends. I tried to provide a couple different options um, for you to get some bonus entries. So um, I wanted to actually read an Upland story that someone wrote into me. Colton Carlson, thank you for uh, for writing this, uh, this story into me. Um, so I'm going to read this on the podcast here. So bear with me. Uh, here we go. Uh, hey, Will, I started Upland hunting two seasons ago, and I'm currently 24 years old from Minnesota. Minnesota. Sorry, I didn't mean to butcher that. Uh, I had never hunted or shot a gun before and didn't grow up in a hunting family. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, wanted a dog for Valentine's Day. I got her a black lab. 
Since about 10 weeks old, Ripley has shown a strong desire to retrieve, and my now father-in-law told me that I better start hunting, especially with a dog that likes to retrieve so much. I started watching videos on training labs to upland hunt and how to start hunting, so, uh, so Ripley and I completely self-taught. So I completely self-taught. My father-in-law has been the greatest. He has... Uh, he gave me an extra gun he had he had to go out that first season. Sorry, I'm butchering this. He gave me an extra gun he had to go out that first season, and we probably went out five times together. And we saw birds every time. But I was unable to shoot one of my, one my first season. I finally got my first bird while, while at school in South Dakota this past season, and Ripley and I finished the season with six birds uh, all on public land uh, hunting in South Dakota. Ripley is a two-year-old British black lab. A funny side note is I am still looking to shoot my first Minnesota bird and have probably gone on a dozen hunts with my father-in-law and still haven't connected. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. Those things happen. Ripley has, uh, Ripley has a great nose and flushes birds very well. He retrieves when we are when we are with other dogs, but still won't when it is just him and I. That's interesting. Uh, he thinks they are toys still. I will do a lot of things differently when I get my second bird dog, but he does what I need him to do, and we have a blast doing it. This summer, we have been working on Ripley and having a soft bite and bringing the bird back when it is just us training. And, obvious, and I've obviously been working on my shot, too. I would like to thank you so much for starting this podcast. I have a job with a lot of driving, so I've been using it to listen to your podcast. I am more motivated than ever to go out this fall and maybe try to hunt something other than roosters. Thanks so much, Colton Carlson. Well, Colton, dude, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing some of your story. Uh, some of the things that I resonated with, um, missing birds. I think we all, um, even those that have been doing this for a long time, miss birds still. Uh, I've been doing it for four years. I, I missed a couple layups last year. Um, I really like that. Um, I would not like, but it, I can resonate with, um, you know, you, you shot your first bird in South Dakota. You've, you've connected on a few. You still haven't uh, shot a Minnesota rooster where, where you live. Um, I think that's kind of funny. There's certain like, personal goals to us that that matter to each of us individually and it sounds like one of those goals to you is to shoot a home state minnesota bird and that's that's awesome i think we all have those goals um, i have a couple this year for uh, connecting on a few colorado species of birds that i haven't i haven't even hunted before so um goes back to that goal thing like set a goal for yourself this year it sounds like you are on the right track um a really really uh thank you i just loved reading the story getting to know you a little bit more and uh ripley sounds like a heck of a dog um the other thing is yeah they're your first bird dog is going to teach you so much I think we can all resonate with just how much of uh, your first bird dog will really teach you. And going into it, you, you don't really realize that until kind of where you are now is you're already thinking, hey, there's some things I'm noticing that I would just do differently um, with my second dog or third dog or, or whatever it might be. Um, so cue into those things, write them down, throw them in a note on your iPhone or, or something um, so that 
two, three years down the line, when you're ready to pick up another dog, um, you have those qualities that you are thinking about now that are going to be important to you and how you hunt um, the species of birds you hunt and all that. So whether it's uh, temperament or drive or style or size or whatever it might be with your dog, like write those thoughts down so that down the road you can can look back and say, hey, these are the things that are important to me. This is how I hunt. This is what I like in Ripley. This is what I don't love in Ripley. Um, and really kind of, uh, I think picking up your next bird dog, you'll you'll get to fine tune that selection a lot more. So listen up, guys. If you have uh, and want to share your Upland story, again, uh, message me on Instagram or email me uh, at uplandbrits at gmail.com. Brits is B-R-I-T-T-S at gmail.com. So get your stories in. Again, the Dakota 283 giveaway closes July 30th. I am so excited for today's guest and for you to hear today's conversation. Uh, today, I chat with Brooke Lanning. Uh, we chat, uh, chat about everything from uh, pointers, coon dogs, horses, trialing, uh, getting into upland hunting, and just some overall positivity. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Brooke's outlook on uplands and, and bird dogs and just animals in general. So I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Me too. Dogs are excited. They're back here. <laughs> nice. I was gonna say you, you get the uh, the dogs out and right, yes. let them burn a little energy. Yeah, very awesome. very quickly. But okay, yeah. <laughs> good. Sometimes that's all they need. We uh, we've been about a hundred degrees here in Colorado um, the last few days, and it's been it's been rough for <laughs> for getting dogs uh, exercise and and all that. Yeah. So. It's that's been... really rough. We've had a really nice patch of weather just recently where the rain stopped and, uh, it's been like in the seventies and oh, like sixties nice. in the evenings. Oh, so I've been taking full advantage and working all the dogs. That is perfect. Yeah. We have to be, go out really, really early to, uh, to, to get them any work in right now, but yeah, hopefully, I, hopefully it's going to end in the next couple of days. So, yeah, I remember that he, I lived in Colorado for a little while. I remember that. Oh, really? Okay. Nice. What, uh, what part? Fort Lupton. Okay. Nice. Which is outside of Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, tiny town. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, uh, cause that's out East of 70, like seven off 76. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever I, for Colorado, any like pheasant or quail, you have to go out East. And so I drive, drive by that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's we're amazing just... that I used to live in all those, like that area. And I wasn't even into bird dogs or anything like that. So yeah. now I'm in the worst place ever. <laughs> Well, why don't you get us, get us kicked off? Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and just put us on a map. Where, where are you located? So, um, I live in Medina, Ohio, um, which is South of Cleveland. Um, my boyfriend and I, Eric Clink, we live in, uh, we live on a farm. Um, it's about 30 acres plus some leased land around us. So it's about 58 acres total. Um, we have hay fields, Um, We do some corn and soybean. So that's kind of like our little side business, right? Um, And then I have horses, goats, and a very large bird population. I'm almost like a bird hoarder at this point. (laughs) Um, I have chickens, ducks, geese, and a ton of pigeons, obviously, for the bird dogs. Nice. Um, Yeah, so that's me. Uh, I I work for a global... uh, distribution services company called Fortna. 
Um, we build distribution centers, or I should say we design and implement material handling systems um, into, into distribution centers. Um, so it's complete, it's a little different than the lifestyle that I live, but um, it keeps it interesting. Um, so I'm on the marketing side of that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Nice. That's awesome. So are, have you been working from home this past year? How's that been? Or do you, are you going into an office or what's that look like for you? No, I've actually been working for home, from home for the last seven years. Oh, nice. Um, so you already were integrated into that. <laughs> yeah. System. Yeah. So all um, I've been with this company for about five and a half years now, but before that I was also working um, remote for a similar company, um, a competitor. Uh, so yeah, it's been really great. The, the company that I work for, we have global offices, uh, like satellite offices, like hubs all over the place. And um, I actually report to the Atlanta office, which I haven't been to in quite some time since um, COVID, but uh, normally I travel for conferences and things like that. So hopefully since things are starting to go back to normal, that will kick off again, but it's been nice to just be hanging at home and it keeps it really nice for me because I have all the animals and all the dogs and working from home makes it really easy for me to just, you know, be able to kind of create my own schedule besides the conference calls and and be able to stop and say, okay, let's, you know, have the dogs outside for an hour or so and, and, you know, be able to get all of that accomplished in the same day. So it's nice. Absolutely. No, that's, that's for sure. Nice. I have to, uh, when I'm away at work, I have to kind of rely on my wife to make sure like I'll remind her throughout the day, Hey, make sure, you know, if it's really hot, like bring Gage inside, make sure he's not getting too, I don't, you know, kind of working through someone else to, uh, right. to take care of all the animals. But, um, but, uh, you say ducks as well. You said ducks, chickens and pigeons, right? Yeah. Okay. And very geese. nice. I have some geese too. Geese. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. We, uh, like we, during quarantine, we ended up getting chickens and it's uh -huh. been a blast to, uh, just, there's a whole process of like raising them from chicks, building the coop. The kids are really excited about it. And, uh, it's been, it's been fun. And, you know, the bonus of having fresh eggs has been, been really, really cool. Yes. So. Yeah. I have like a full blown, like petting zoo over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should open it up to the public. I, I actually do have a little like side hustle. I sell eggs. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah. I, cause I have so many of them. Um, I easily have maybe 50 plus ducks and 40 plus chickens. Dang. And geese. So, um, <laughs> they, lay a, <laughs> they lay a lot of eggs. Oh my gosh. Um, so I sell them every day. I just have the honor system. I have a little cooler outside. Oh, that's um, cool. Come and it's every day people come and I put them out there and some people will request like a certain order. Like no I way. need five dozen. Yeah. I have a, a friend that has a, a bakery and so I sell eggs to her. It's just, it's a lot. Of oh, fun. that's cool. That's a whole nother yeah. scale. <laughs> we, we just yeah. got the five, five little chickens and that's uh, <laughs> we're once in a while we'll get enough to, uh, to give away some of our neighbors and that, but um, yeah. that's, that's super cool. You're a, you're a full fledged, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you poultry farm. I don't know if that's a yeah, correct term or yeah. not, but you can call it that. You can call it that. That is pretty cool. Hey, I want to, uh, kind of, we were, uh, we were chatting, uh, we were messaging a couple of days ago, uh, you and I, and it sounds like you've had a kind of a string of injuries to some of your, I know your horses got a pretty good wound a couple of days ago. Yeah. Your dogs. What, what's been going on with, uh, the string of, uh, of injuries here? 
Um, I wish I knew exactly what was happening um, all together. It's been a very expensive week uh, and it's not over yet. So I'm constantly like looking around like what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, I had to take uh, my youngest in um, to the emergency vet. Um, her eyes were doing something very strange um, where her one eye was dilated quite a bit um, and the other one wasn't. And so to me, I was, you know, thinking of like a head trauma or something like that. Um, so she did, it, it, it seems like she had some sort of a small trauma. And so her eye is like healing from that. Oh. Otherwise she's acting completely normal, okay. you, never, you know, know the difference. Um, but it was a little concerning for me. And so we have a follow-up for that, but, um, and one of my coon hounds, uh, got a huge gash in the top of his head. I have no <laughs> idea how he did that. Um, and, and then my horse, she actually got a tree branch, stuck in her neck. Um, on Sunday, I pulled her out of the pasture. Um, and it was about maybe like six inches long. And so it was uh, still sticking in her when you pulled her. Yeah. Yeah. So it was still in there. And so I tried to pull it out and I only got so much of it before it broke. So I tried, you know, warm compressing it, um, to try and get it to open up a little bit so I could try and push it out, but she was wow. not. Happening. So the vet came out and they're the one that made that gnarly cut. Oh, so they had to make a bigger cut to get the branch yeah, out. Wow. They actually had to cut down. Um, and it, it look, I mean, it looks worse than what it is, but it's still, um, a, a decent sized wound. There was still four inches of the the branch, like no way and it just popped out. Like it was really neat. Um, <laughs> but, wow. uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it has to heal open, um, because it's on oh. the neck and it moves. Okay. Sure. Moves. So, um, which is, it's tough because, um, horses grow or agricultural animals or livestock, or I'm sure people even do too, but I'm not sure, but they grow proud flesh. Um, which it, it almost looks like it's like an accumulation of cells that are growing very, very quickly on top of, um, the wound. And so you have to slough that off as it goes. Otherwise oh. it will just keep growing outward. And so it'll just be a healing process. Is it, is it like day. a scab, like a scab you have to kind of, that'll develop yeah. and you have to like almost sand down in a sense. Yeah. It's like a big, big scab, but okay. like more skin growing on top of skin. Oh, is the, okay. Like, the, like it, it'll, um, it'll look like a mini brain. Like it's very, it's very ugly. It's very, wow. gross looking. um, but it's the way that the body is trying to like, say, oh my gosh, we need to it's trying to repair know, itself. Yeah. Trying to repair itself very quickly. So, um, yeah, I'm already dealing with it, you know, just even a couple of days afterwards, I'm going out there and and trying to get it off. So, yeah, well yeah. that, that sure does sound like a expensive, <laughs> expensive week for you with, yes. uh, with vet bills. I kind of a, a just a side question with the horse. So yeah. a, vet, a vet comes out, you know, they're, they're trying to help this horse. Do they have to put the horse out for this? Are you putting it in a pen? Like, how does that, cause I mean, if you're imagine, I'm imagining like cutting a horse open to get a branch out, yeah. that can't be a happy horse. No, we did like a light sedation to her. Right. So she didn't like actually fall asleep, but, um, light sedation. And then just a lot of different numbing of the area. Um, she was still slightly awake when he was cutting into her. 
And obviously now she is not happy about me touching it whatsoever. So that's been interesting. She's like, don't you come near me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because I mean, my horses, um, they just hate being stalled. So we have two big turnouts for them and they're just always out there. And now, like when I go to catch her every day for like her antibiotics and then just cleaning her, she's like giving me that side. eye, like, no, yeah, nope. no. <laughs> not happening oh my gosh what uh remind me i know you said it in the beginning but what so what kind of like farm do you are you on like what do you, are you is it a cattle farm or is it you're growing crops like what kind of farm are you on so essentially we just grow hay here um on this property um we also have a secondary farm in Carrollton, ohio which is about an hour south of us and we typically rotate from growing hay um soybean and corn down there. And that's a much bigger farm than what we have here. What we have here is, is mainly just backfields. And then um, it's kind of an interesting property because it, it opens up um, to additional fields that we don't own, but we lease them. Uh, um, okay. And there's, we're the only entry point for those fields. Like okay. the other people live on the other side, like of the woods that butt up to it. So, um, they just use it as like a CAUV type thing, um, okay. for a tax write-off. Gotcha. So. And you said this is kind of the farming side is kind of a side thing for, for you, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so is that, is that a family thing that got started? Is that something you started on your own or how'd that no, come about? Uh, yeah. It's just something that, that Eric and I decided to do when we got this property, Um, we have a really close friend, um, that is a farmer full time. And so, um, we kind of contract him in to come in and and cut the fields. And then we have our own equipment for certain things, but, um, we don't own all the equipment to do everything. So we still use like a co-op to do certain things or, um, you know, him for, for other things like that. But it's been a nice little side business for us. And then for me personally, it's good to have my own hay for the horses and, um, Nice uh, we also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric's father uh, raises cattle as well um, that we sometimes keep down at the Southern farm. So it's nice to have all of that for the cows too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay. So we got to talk about you're in Ohio. Yes. You run, you run bird dogs, you're big yes. into bird dogs, horses, uh, coon dogs, all that stuff. We'll get into those in a little bit, but yes. just talk about being in the state of Ohio and being a bird dog owner. Like what, like catch us up a little bit. What's that like? Do you it's have, awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I wasn't going to say that, but like, what's it like? Do you have even wild bird opportunities? Is it all preserves? Like, what is that? What is that like? It's mainly preserve hunting. Um, they do releases in several areas. Um, we actually are quite lucky because we have several that are within like 15 minutes to a couple hours where they do, you know, very large releases from say like 400 birds or something like that, um, to two fifty. you know, but, um, and, and sorry, real quick, are they releasing them on public land or like yes. the, a club owns the land and they're releasing it on nope, their land. This is, this is released on, on public land. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the orange army comes out and it's pretty wild, okay. right. Um, on certain, on smaller <laughs> patches. So, of so land. You're, people are kind of honing in on like, Hey, I heard there's an insider tip that they're <laughs> releasing birds. Yeah. Or, okay. What's, what's great now is 
and and I can't, I haven't confirmed this, but um, I was told by a friend of mine, um, Ben Taylor, that we're going to have a stamp this year. Um, so I'm hoping that that like adds um, to you know something for the coming years for us um, because we just do not have a good population. Um, we belong to a bird club as well, um, which I. Uh, run the tower shoots at and things like that. So I do have like a lot of really like good opportunities for my dogs. Um, but other than that, it's really just, we have the woodcock season that comes in just when they're here. And then when they leave, it's sad. And, um, uh, between myself and again, my friend, Ben Taylor, um, we have some decent spots that we know to go to for Woodcock. So we take full opportunity of that. And other than that, it's just, we got to travel. Yeah. Dang. That's, so, that's, that's gotta be tough. Cause it, like you said, it's, it sounds like the whole, maybe whoever's a hunter in the state of Ohio is probably flocking to, you know, these oh, areas. Yeah. It does the Ohio, is it, I don't know if it's DNR or, or yep. Rangers or whatever it is. Is it public knowledge of where they're releasing or is it yeah. just, okay. Yeah. It, and so, and it's been limited. Um, like I think that they've, they've added more birds over the last few years to try and, you know, make it so that there's more of a wild bird population. And there are certain areas where you can go, um, that, you know, during, after like the big rush, there will be some birds that are hanging out um, that are considered wild um, sure. that have been there for a year or so. And, and there's hatchings and all of that, but it's nothing that's extreme to where you're like, yeah, we have wild pheasants in Ohio. It's like, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, so uh, just on the, the wild bird side um, mm-hmm. is, is that a recent numbers have gone down? Is that a historical for the last 20 years you haven't had wild birds like you know any of the history it's been historical i think it was like oh back in the 80s there was like a really bad storm like winter storm that blew through and it said it killed off everything but i'm sure a lot of it has to do with the agricultural practices and there's just not enough um so it's i mean it's that quality habitat and and management okay that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, woodcock hunting. What I haven't talked to anyone really about that at all. Like what is that? Cause they're, are they reverse migrators? So they're coming South to North in season. No, they, they go down North to South. Yes. They go okay. down and then okay. they come back up. Oh, okay. So you yeah, get, do you they, get two cracks of them or is it? You sh- do, but the second crack that you get, they're nesting. So you really shouldn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you get one, you get one crack of them. You get one. Okay. Yeah. You get one. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Unless so, you're a really good dog. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're kind of like a waterfall, like a duck, something like that. Yeah. Like they're migrating. Mm-hmm. They're kind of passing through. Yes. You, okay. Gotcha. And, is it, yeah. and you're not over water for them, right? It's just you're in the, the woods, no. the brush, the grass, what, what are you in? Yes. But they do tend, at least for here, um, they do tend to be in the swampier areas, hmm. um, or areas that maybe flood lightly. Um, so there's like some water on the ground is, is what I've noticed for, for the areas that we find them in around here. I don't know if it's like that everywhere else, but, um, in the places that we find them, they're typically, um, near some flooded areas. 
Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So how did you get started in this? How'd you like, did you grow up hunting? Did you just no, start not. it recently? Like, like, tell us your story. Like how did, how or why did you get started, uh, hunting? Yeah. So, um, my family is, I did not come from a hunting family whatsoever. Um, my entire background previous to dogs has been horses. Horses were like my first love. Um, they'll always be, you know, a part of my life. I don't feel like I'll ever not have horses. Um, and so I moved around quite a bit in my life. I was born here originally, and then my family moved to Las Vegas. Um, so I grew up in Nevada and from there I went to California and did some barrel horse apprenticeships, um, with a couple of different trainers. I worked on, um, racetracks. I loped out horses and things like that. And I always had Australian shepherds. Um, so herding dogs were always like my, you know, my breed of choice. And, um, I just always gravitated towards dogs. And so I then moved to Colorado and I lived in Colorado for some time. And I did another barrel horse apprenticeship there. And that is when I reconnected, um, with my now boyfriend, um, Eric, and he had an English pointer hmm. and her name was fancy. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately she passed away too soon. Um, there was a tragic accident and we lost her. And during that process, um, I happened to find her last living sibling, um, which was candy. So she was my first bird dog. And so I kind of like made it a point, um, that I wanted to really like learn everything about that there was, you know, about training a bird dog. And, um, sorry, I'm like getting, I'm getting choked up because no, Candy just away. That's, that's okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she was very inf influential for, for me. And, uh, you know, you know, at that point in time, we were mainly just going to, um, the bird club that, you know, we belong to and, she was a field trial reject and she had some flagging issues. And so she was kind of this project for mm. me and it was, it was super fun and I didn't do everything right. I, you know, it was, it was touch and go mm. and, but I had so much fun doing it. And it got to the point where, you know, we would go out and we'd bring friends and, you know, I ran the dog and when the dog did good, it was, it was like, a huge success for me. And it was so neat because I just, it became a huge passion for me. And like, she created that for me and it was awesome. And so because of her, um, I got my second dog Tess, And then because of her, I got my third dog fancy. And so, yeah, that's just kind of been the progression that has happened with that. And over time, you know, I've, I've honed in on, you know, the right, the, the way that, that I like to train my dogs now, but I always feel like I start with the same foundation. And I feel like my foundation comes from, um, what I learned for, from like the herding dogs. Hmm. And, uh, so yeah, it's, I guess that's the roundabout way of, of how I got into, into hunting, but it would be impossible to not be into 
hunting, living with Eric, I like hunting in, in this household, it's by season. <laughs> I mean, he's a waterfowl hunter. He's a deer hunter. He's a turkey hunter. And then it's like fishing. So it's like, it's always something. It's always something and new. <laughs> it's always something. And he, he, he appreciates, um, the, uh, upland hunting, but it's not as fun for him. So it's, it's more something that like I do on my own and, mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy the youth release that they have here mm. in Ohio. They do like youth releases where it's like only kids are allowed to go out. Yeah. So I always think that that's always such like a rewarding time for me because I don't have kids personally, but we'll take out friends, kids that have mm. just started hunting and watching their face, you know, when like yeah. the dog brings the bird back to them oh, or something. It's, it's, it's so lights amazing. out. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. And it's so cool. And it's like, for me, you almost like forget about the fact that you are, you know, hunting on this public land and these birds were probably released, you know, like two days ago and yeah, they've been running around or whatever, but they're not wild birds, but it's still so much fun. And, and the, you know, the kid, the kids don't know that they're, they're no, like you they said, don't. they're so excited that they found a bird, the dog point, like they're just caught up, I think in the moment oh. in that, that, um, just that new experience, I think can be really, really special. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. I That's... enjoy the heck out of it every year and we always try and find new kids. So it's something awesome. to look forward to. Okay. So you said a lot there and I have, I have so many, no, no, I have so many, like just follow up questions. The first, we're going to take a little detour back to horses real fast. Yes. Um, what is a barrel apprenticeship? So uh, barrel racing, um, okay, is barrel racing. Okay. Yeah. Barrel okay. racing is a sport, right. Um, with, with rodeo. And then okay. they also yep. have like divisional races. And so, um, the barrel racers that I was apprenticing at the time, um, they were doing rodeo and they were also training young fraturity horses. So like, for example, if you had a field trial derby prospect, um, it would be like that, but for horses and they have specific, um, big money races that, um, horses can get entered into through like a breeding program or whatever, um, for young horses. And so the, those are the type of people that I was surrounding myself around because that was the, um, the passion at the time. And it still is, it still is, but now it's like, it's dual. Okay. It's competing with the bird dog side. It's competing. And that's why the field trial was like, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. And probably more importantly, I should have started with this first off. I'm sorry you lost. Um, was it fancy candy? Candy. Candy. Well, we, yes, yes. Candy. You lost candy. Okay. And first off, I'm sorry. I know that happened pretty recent and I'm, I'm sorry. That has to be so hard. Um, I, my, I have two bird dogs right now and they're both alive and well. I I've never lost a bird dog. I've lost pet dogs back when I was a kid and all that. Yeah. And I know, I know how hard it is. So, um, I'm yeah. sorry. That's, that's really tough. Um, yeah. so, so it sounds like when you met your boyfriend, Eric, right. Mm-hmm. So yes. when you met him, that was a, was that the first time you, you ever heard about or, or knew there was an English pointer or did you know about them before? Or? I, I mean, I knew about them, but I never thought in a million years, like, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be following dogs around with a gun. That was, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I, for the longest time, like I said, I just had the herding dogs. I had, um, three of them at one time and, 
I would use them to move horses at the ranches that I worked at. And, um, you know, sometimes they would, we would use them for, you know, maybe some of the local rodeos to like move the bulls and things like that. Like that was, you know, so, but the training aspect, um, that has always been passionate of mine. It was something I took really seriously with, with all of my dogs. And so this was just, this just came, came pretty natural, honestly. Awesome. So you, so you saw that, that beautiful white dog, that long tail, and you're like, I want those. That's what I want. I, you know, um, when we first got candy, she was kind of a runaway and I'll never forget, like we turned her loose and she just took off. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's like watching a horse take mm. off, like really like watching a horse take off. And I have a tendency to kind of compare dogs to horses quite a bit mm. when it comes to like, you know, confirmation, um, or, you know, just like athleticism or things like that. And so, yeah, I, I compare them to horses quite a bit and it's, I mean, they're like mini greyhounds the pointers are they're just they're so fast it's like it's like uh when you watch them you're either they're either taking your breath away or you're having a heart attack you're not really quite sure <laughs> i've i've heard people refer to them as like the ferrari kind of bird dogs yeah. they're just they're the kind of they're the bird dog it, it sounds like people who own them just they rave about them and they say they're just kind of another, kind of another level to some degree It's just yeah. how they, how they act and perform and their speed and athleticism. It's, it's, I haven't seen one in person, um, work mm-hmm. a field or hunt behind one, but I definitely want to, uh, want to get, get behind one someday. Yeah, it's definitely an experience. And I feel like living where we are, I feel like I'm hindering them, hmm. um, quite a bit. So, um, that's why this, this year we're going to try. And I mean, we have plans to go out West and I have a couple of different hunting trips planned. So that is the goal. Nice. That's <laughs> really awesome. Yeah. Really get them out on the prairie and, and let them roll. That's awesome. Um, we're going to dive into that in just a second. I want to hear a little bit more about, about maybe possible trips or that, but, um, you said, uh, something earlier, candy was a field trial reject. What, yes. what does that mean exactly? So <laughs> I think it can mean a lot of different things. Um, and, and I'm completely new to, to field trials. Um, but from, from what I've learned so far, um, if a dog is showing certain signs, um, that, that shows that they're not, not a good prospect, um, there's always going to be another one that is right. So she came from a breeding program that was actually local here, um, with a professional, um, trainer. So it was, she came in and she was, she immediately got put on the side. I think she got some, some puppy points. Um, but she never went much further because she had a flagging problem. So every time she would go on point, she would never stay steady. It was just back and forth, back and forth. Um, and she kept that for quite a while. Um, even, you know, she mostly would just flag on planted birds. So every time we would take her out to the club or something like that, unless a lot of times we would just tell, you know, the people like, you know, just let them go for, you just dump it, like, you know, dump the box, let them go, you know, don't plan them, you know, we'll find them and pick them up. But 
Um, yeah, I think that was, that was really her issue. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that that was her issue because that, you know, made her available to us at sure. a really cheap price. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good. Kind of, kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, exactly. so, uh, all right. So the, the field trial sides, we touched on that, I guess we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. Like, so is that something you've gotten into recently? Um, and, and kind of why is it just, um, like, what is it about field trials that kind of drew you to that? Do you like the kind of like pushing your dogs, testing your dogs to kind of see their abilities? Like what's, what's that experience been? Yeah. So I think I like the competition of it. So, um, originally I thought, um, that Nastro was going to be like a good, uh, area for me. And I went to a couple and it was fun. I will say that it was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot. Um, but I, I enjoy the, um, I enjoy just the traditional field trials, how there is more than just how many birds can the dog find? It's, you know, it's based off of, um, you know, the perform, the overall performance of the dog, the race that the dog gives, um, and just like the, the ability, the overall ability that the dog shows, um, and, and how best a handler can showcase that dog. And so I like that a lot more than just rushing behind my dog and finding as fast, them on the as fast as you can find the birds. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm still rushing behind my dog, um, <laughs> turning them loose. Uh, but yeah, it's, I've been to three this far. Um, and the first one was a horseback trial, which is what I mainly want to stay with. Okay. But that was my next question was kind of like, are, are pointers even, do you even do people even attempt foot trials or they walking do. trials with pointers? Yeah, they do. Um, so, uh, the, the last two that I went to, um, uh, were, were foot for walking trials okay. and it was a lot of fun, but again, it's, it's, um, you're at a disadvantage because when your dog gets way out ahead of you, you can't see them. Um, when you're on a horse, you know, on the right grounds, you can sometimes, you know, see them passing by or, or things like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that you have to like get accustomed to. Mm. So, like I said, I am, I am still learning. Like I told myself when I got this puppy fancy in particular, I told myself that she was going to be the dog that was going to introduce me to field trials. Okay. And I made that a goal, um, like a goal that like I wrote down and, yeah. you know, had, I said, by the time that she was six months old, um, that's the cutoff when they can, they can enter a puppy okay. stake that I was going to enter her. And I was going to enter her as much as possible, um, until the season was over. And so that's what I did. And nice. I, I'm really happy that I was able to accomplish that. Um, there were, you know, there's a lot in the area that I could go to, um, this last one that I went to, I, I literally drove six hours there and back to Ooh. run one dog. Oh, and, and I didn't place, I didn't that's, place. That's you know commitment. <laughs> I would, I would do it all over again. Yeah. I would, I would go the same. I would go further. It was so much fun. And you just, and, you and that was with fancy, right? Yep. That was okay. with fancy. So for the goal for, um, for this coming season. So there's a fall season and then, um, you know, it starts back up again in the spring. So, um, the, the goal for next year 
is to run Tess in um, open shooting dog and then to run fancy her, her derby year. So okay. I'm going to go full fledged. There you go. Hardcore. I got the, <laughs> got the horse trailer, got the truck. We're going nice. to load up. You're committed. Go. You're like all in, <laughs> let's do this. Here's my goal. Let's accomplish it. I love that. Yeah. That yeah, is I'm awesome. excited. That's so good. A couple uh, podcasts ago, I think I was talking about just, just the importance of like everyone having a goal with your dog, like no matter what, it, whether it's running trials or getting your dog force fetched or getting yeah. more steady, whatever it is, like everyone's going to have personal goals, but like, Hey, let's write those down. Let's actually like talk about those and make steps to meet those goals. And so I think that's awesome. You just kind of, Hey, let's write it down and let's go for it. Let's just get yeah, these dogs and- entered and Yeah. And it's so good to like, you know, when you write it down, it becomes permanent and, you know, put it, put a, like a good time frame on it. Right. Like not anything crazy, you know, like I have to do X in this amount of time, but if you make it reasonable, something that you know, that you, you know, have the ability to accomplish and you can move your goals out. They're not, they don't have to stay, but it's so nice to be able to check something off. Like, I entered her in her first trial at six months. Like I checked it off and it was like, that's awesome. I think that that's a really good key. You said there is you, your goal. It sounds like you wrote down, like enter her in her first trial, not make her, make sure she wins. It was, Hey, let's take a baby, baby step. Like make it enter that's step one. And then, yeah, I think things can build upon that and, and grow and develop. And I think they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's that's, so important. that's so cool. Um, and how did, so your, you say you did three trials, how'd they go just real quick? Like how'd the dogs do? Like, what are some of the takeaways you, you took away? Yeah, they, they did really, really good. Um, so I actually had a friend of mine that went with me. His name's Tyler Biggs. Um, he ran one of his pointers as well, a young pointer male. And it was just such a cool learning experience. Um, the first trial, I had no idea, again, inexperienced. I had no idea that I entered a, um, a championship trial oh, okay. for pros. <laughs> but I, knew, I knew it was an open trial. I knew that it was open. So when it's open, it means that it's, it's open to the pros. And when it's amateur, it's just the amateurs. Um, so I knew that we were going to be, you know, running against pros and things like that. I did not know how it was going to stack up where it was like pro, 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 pro. And then like, wow. amateur. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that in itself was an experience. So everybody that I talked to, um, told me that, you know, you definitely should watch or, you know, walk or ride every brace because that way, you know, the type of dogs that one, and you know what to look for. So oh, when you that's see, really like, good. You, can, you know, you can remember, right. Um, or tips and tricks from handlers or things like that. Yeah. So it was a really cool experience. I had a ton of takeaways. Um, our first trial was a little bumpy. Um, she, <laughs> and she who, were you, little, who were you? You were just running fancy, can, just running fancy. Okay. I was just running fancy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a little rocky at the, um, the start. So I had been teaching her to break, um, from, from my, my voice mm-hmm. and with like a little touch on her butt. Um, and it was different because I was on a horse and they had you come down a hill. Mm-hmm. So she had to be at the top of the hill and I was at the bottom of the hill. Oh. And this other dog, this brace mate that she had, um, and I, and this is something else that I'm, I'm learning with puppy stakes and how some people 
kind of refrain away from puppy steaks mm. is that, you know, puppies are puppies and they want to play or fight or something. Well, sure. Fancy is very mature for a puppy. She is sure. very serious. I always make fun of it. Um, she's a very like mature nine month old puppy. And, um, so yeah, this other dog was trying to, trying to fight her. Hmm. Um, so it made things a little uncomfortable. She got a little okay. bit nervous, but she okay. eventually, eventually went on, but, um, her second trial, she actually placed, she got second out nice. of I think it was 12 dogs. So that was okay. really, really rewarding. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Especially because it was like pouring rain and freezing. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> freezing. I had on four or five different layers. Um, and it was a walking trial. Um, but it taught me the type of grounds that I think are better showcasing for my type of dog. Hmm. So the third trial that I went to was considered a cover dog trial. And so that means that it's more of a woods course. So there's woods and fields. Um, and it was a 20 minute brace. Um, so in the trial where my dog placed, my dog was able to showcase a lot better on more of an open ground. So you could see her when she was running big, you know, three, 400 yards out, but you could see her running, right. You could see her running along an edge where at these cover dog trials, um, this particular course, she'd run through that wood course. You wouldn't even see her. She was gone. (laughs) She was gone. Um, she actually even went missing for a couple of minutes and and the judge was like, do you know where she is? Um, and I was like, I know she's ahead of us. Yeah. I know she's that direction. Yeah. She's that direction. (laughs) Yeah. She was like 300 yards up and she was, she was in the cover and she popped out, you know, when I called her, but she was definitely, you know, further ahead than, than us and the brace mate, the brace mate was, you know, staying a lot closer. So yeah, it's, it's been an experience just like learning things like that. Right. And, and I know that I'm just going to keep learning. Like I, I'm the type of person that says like, I, I want to go in and I want to fail because that's how you learn the most, right. You learn the most from your failures and your successes. Um, I'm even when she placed, I had all these questions like, well, why did she place? Like, why did she place over? What did she do? Well, what did, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what did she do? Well, what did I do? Well, you know, versus what I did poorly in in the other ones. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's been a, it's been a process and all of the people have been so great. Um, like the last trial we went to, we met a ton of really, really awesome people and, you know, just asking them, you know, these same types of things, like yeah. what can a handler do better? And, and, um, you know, how can I better prepare my dog? And so it's, I, awesome. I'm looking forward to, to the rest of the successes and failures. Yeah. Ahead that, of is, me. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, okay. Last thing with trials. Um, so with, I don't know a ton about trials. It's something I, I do want to get into more here. I, I've only done one AKC hunt test, um, with mm-hmm. my older dog gauge, ton of fun. It kind of like planted that seed in me where I'm like, I kind of want to do this a little bit more. It was really fun. The people, all that. But, yeah. So in the trial, um, arena, is it like so many placements get you a title or how do, how, do you know how those work? That's something that I'm figuring out as well. So I think it's different per association. 
So there is different associations within American Field and AKC. So my dogs are American Field uh, registered, um, but they can run an AKC dual registered um, trials. But there are, like I said, there's different associations that hold um, like different brackets and some of those placements can go towards championships or different stakes. So that's been something that I've been trying to figure out, um, especially for tests. For example, there is a, there's an amateur pheasant shooting dog, um, trial series in my area between Ohio PA and I think New Jersey. And I think you only need one open placement, um, to, to be able to compete at the championship, which is held in the fall. So I think what I'm going to do is a couple of the, or one of the championships is held, um, kind of what I would consider, like, I guess our home grounds now, um, it's the closest one where they hold trials. So I think I'm going to go and at least watch and spectate and, and ride, um, the braces and and see how those dogs, those dogs run and and try and take some notes for what there you go can do to get back and kick some butt. (laughs) What a way to learn. Just, just get in there, watch, observe, ask questions. That's, that's probably the best thing anyone can do um, to get into something. So I I love that. Um, Okay. My guess is you're doing a lot of your, the training of your dogs yourself. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. Okay. How'd you like learn that? Like what, what did you like, how'd you figure this out? How did you know, like, Hey, here's how to work with a bird dog and study them up and introduce them to birds. Like how did you, how did you learn that? And just talk about kind of the progression of, uh, what you've done with your dogs. Yeah. So with, like I said, with candy, I think it was like all trial and error with her. I was not doing things correctly. Um, you know, she was always, she was broke to flush and would always break at the shot, um, which made her a really good guide dog, which is something that I did um, last season with both um, Candy and Tess is I did some private guiding on private land um, through some people that I met. And I also um, worked at another club um, where I did uh, like tower shoots. So um, that part of it, um, like I said, it was just trial and error. But with when I got Tess, I knew that I wanted to get very, very serious about it. And like I said previously, I think I start my foundation um, with my dogs all from how I trained my herding dogs, not to say that that my dogs are out there moving ducks around, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I I like a really soft responding dog. Um, I like a dog that's very, very soft, um, like on the leash and just soft in general, soft to the touch, not like <laughs> not a silky coat, of, but like, no, no, very like, just, um, like, you can like handle them well and, and they're not yeah. like a hard headed, stubborn. Yeah. Dog. I, I, yes. I, I want a dog that is like quick responding. And so I do a lot of like different types of, um, like recall drills that make a dog really, really soft. Mm. Um, but other than that, I would say that that's just like my, you know, beginning, yeah. whatever stage. Did you do a lot of like clicker training, like positive reinforcement, like when they're puppies no. or Mm-mm. no, okay. I never did anything like okay. that. But as, as, um, everything moving forward from that, um, I've taken the, 
um, the kindness um, that Sir, Sergio Velez, who runs Boss Kennels, um, uh-huh. where I've gotten Tess and Fancy mm-hmm. from, he has, I would consider him like he has been kind of my mentor mm-hmm. moving forward sure. with all of this. And he has sent me video after video after video of how he started his puppies mm-hmm. all the way through. And so I have really, really stuck to that yes, program. That's a great way to learn of, of when you have, have that person to kind of like just yes. help shape and show you some ideas and concepts. That's really yeah, helpful. And it, he's been very, very kind. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there not to like bash the community or whatever, but there's people that like hold things very like, you know, close to the vest sure. and don't want to share information and stuff like that. But um, he's been very, very kind and has shared a lot of information with me and it has really, really advanced, um, the progress that I've made with my dogs and, um, with Tess, uh, I think she's four years old now. Um, and, and she is steady to, um, to shot. And it, I would say it, it took me a lot longer with her because my goals were different at the time, right? I just wanted her to be a hunting dog at the time. And, and now, um, I want her to transition to be a trial dog. And I think she has what it takes to get there. Um, but I've used, you know, exactly what he has shown me to do. And now I'm doing it with fancy and it just, it really, really works. And it's, um, it doesn't require a lot of pressure. And Mm. that's what I like. I I don't like putting a lot of pressure on my dogs. So it's, it's been really, really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. What, uh, I know people can't see this, but what dog is behind you passed out on the bed? That's fancy. Fancy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's actually three. There's three of them back there. Oh, nice. She is passed out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe a misconception, or maybe it's not. I don't know. Whenever I talk to someone about pointers, they they say to me, "Oh, they're crazy. They're strong-headed. They're nuts." I mean, is that true? Is it not? I have not had that experience. Okay. But all of mine think so because they look super chill and relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I will say, um, I think it's different when they're in a, maybe a kennel situation where they are not, um, maybe work consistently or at least have an outlet consistently. Um, so just recently, um, a close friend of ours, um, was having some, um, health difficulties And so we took in his young pointer female and she's back there. Her name is June Mm. and she was strictly a kennel dog. Mm. Um, she was wound up, uh, (laughs) wound up. So maybe that's where that stereotype comes from. Um, I mean, I, I have seen quite a few, I've also seen a lot of GSPs that are wound up, um, so I'm sure just any super active dog that if you put them in yeah. a position where they're not, you know, getting activity, yeah. um, and they're just, you know, pushed up in a kennel 24 yeah. seven. I, I think that's really, to- I think that's really well said because like you there's Brittany's that can be wound up. There's GSP. There's all these dogs that we all love, but they're all working dogs. They all yes. read for work and running and finding, you know, so if we coop them up, then gosh, your, your, yeah. your bird finding golden is going to be crazy. If it's, you know, exactly, <laughs> not, exactly. not worked properly. 
Yeah. Even your, you know, if you had like a, a lab that was like 50 pounds overweight or, yeah. you know, whatever, if that dog never did anything, it would be, you know, probably rambunctious in the house or do yeah. something. Exactly. Um, but I, I work mine at least three times a day and that's not like I'm, you know, running them strenuously, sure. but I take them out in the early mornings and I let them free run the fields mm-hmm. and while I'm doing barn chores. And then we do an afternoon, like, um, uh, like strategy run. I ooh, like to call ooh, it a strategy run. What, so what is it's, this? It's I, I release them all at once, like a brace. Okay. I'll release them all at once. And I run my hounds with them too. So they okay. do it too. Okay. Um, but they'll take off in all different directions, you know, and I try to like, um, mimic a, a trial situation oh, where okay. they need to come in and they need to stay ahead of me. And okay it's not just we're out there free running. So, so it's a little more serious. Hey, okay, let's focus yeah. a little bit. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I do that in the afternoon, um, typically around noon. And then in the afternoons is when I like to do bird work. Okay. Nice, cool. nice. You got a solid plan there. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, coon hounds. I can't, I can't not uh, ask you about coon hounds. Uh, it looks like you do some coon hunting with your, you got some coon, coon dogs, I just, I'm fascinated by that. Just tell me a little bit about like, again, I kind of like to understand like how you got started in that area, but then also like, what is that experience like? Like, how does someone do a coon hunt? Like, do you turn dogs loose and yeah, tell me about that? I would have never thought that that was something that I would get into. Even after I got into the bird dogs, I would have never thought that I would have been into um, coon hunting or or coon dogs at all. I always thought, you know, when I would see them place, I'd be like, wow, that dog's really loud. <laughs> yeah. That would be so annoying. Um, but now I like appreciate it. Uh, so um, kind of interesting again. Uh, I had my oldest, I still had my Aussies. My Aussies lived a long time. Thank goodness. <laughs> they lived, both of them lived to be almost 15 years old. No way. And, um, I lost, uh, um, my oldest one, his name was Dewey and I lost him and, you know, he was like my first dog. Mm. And so when you lose your first dog, it's like this big hole. Mm. And, um, I tend to feel like I try to like fill things with, with Mm. other dogs or just other, other things to focus on. Sure. And the, these dogs that I have now, they were, at the time they were running loose on about a thousand acres of a wildlife area here in Ohio. Mm. And they had been running loose on and off for two years. Um, but for this particular time, they had been running loose from a six months. Oh, wow. And for some strange, crazy reason, I thought that I needed to have those dogs. I don't know why. <laughs> You're like, I want those. <laughs> I want, yeah, I want that problem. I don't know why. <laughs> Sign me um, up. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, there was a woman that happened to trap them. Um, and she knew who the owners were. They didn't want them anymore. And so we ended up going, I had, um, Eric, he was, um, waterfowl hunting and he went and picked him up on Thanksgiving morning. Um, but at the time there was only one of them. So 
she had given the other one to somebody else. And I was like, well, that doesn't work. I need to have I two. Want two. I, need to, yeah. I need to have I want two pair. problems. Yeah. I need to have the pair. Um, cause they were brother and sister. And so I ended up tracking her down like two months later. Um, and I got her in December and, so they were absolutely nuts. You want to talk about <laughs> wild. Uh, they had never been inside uh, a house. Um, they tried to eat everything, oh, wow. chickens, ducks. It was, and the property that we live on, nothing is fenced. So okay. that's Just always open. a challenge. Yeah. It's all open. And that's always a challenge too. When you have like big running dogs. And sure. that's another reason why it's like, I need to have a handle on all the dogs that I have. Yeah. They need to have a good, you know, strong handle. Um, but yeah, so I got these coon hounds and I hand walked these coon hounds mm. all around my property. I mean, I probably looked like a crazy person, you know, little tight leashes. I'm walking <laughs> these dogs around for, you know, about a month until I finally got them to start responding to mm. me. Um, and then I e collar trained them and I was like, well, I'm not having these dogs without them, you know, having a purpose yeah. or at least serving the purpose that they were designed to do. And so I, you know, they were like three years old at the time. And I started like training them like puppies. I started wow. looking up little things that I had to do. Back to ground as, zero. Yeah. I got, I got the Kunsen, I got the drags and I'm dragging it around my yard and, you know, doing all that and, um, tying it up in trees and, and they, they took to it like, like nobody's business, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was something else that it was a distraction at the time, but it was so much fun when, the, when it started clicking, when everything started clicking in the, in their minds. And, um, to this day, like they've just become such good dogs to have. I mean, they are, if anybody has a farm, have a hound, if you, I mean, talk about like all the time patrol yeah then gets on this property <laughs> they are I gonna mean, find it and tree it and figure it or out or just take care of it, it. yeah, yeah <laughs> they will take care, care of the it. they will take care of the problem yeah yeah we had a, a fox coming around here okay, um not, not anymore not anymore <laughs> no nope, not anymore <laughs> they're cool looking dogs too i mean that's they might be noisy but they they're cool looking yeah. looking dogs and, and you come to respect and I'm, I am not a houndsman by any stretch, but it's, it is so cool. Um, you know, turning them loose. Like you said, do you just yeah. turn them loose? And like, essentially that's, that's what you do. You just so, turn them so, loose. Yeah. So, it, so just walk me through like a, a coon hunt. So it's generally yeah. at night, correct? Yep. Okay. So yep. just walk me through that. What's that like? Yeah. So, um, you know, generally, you know, many, maybe, but 30 minutes to an hour after the sun goes down is when the coons will start kind of coming out and, and looking for, for food. And, um, you just, you go out there, you find a good spot in the woods and you turn the dogs loose and you let them go until they get treed. Okay. Um, a lot of people, um, cause I do have some friends now that that coon hunt, they'll just sit in their truck and, and, you know, watch it. The I just GPS. Think yeah. 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 yeah you kind of sit and wait. I don't want to sit and wait, which is why I always find myself in like horrible situations <laughs> I go in the middle of night by myself. Oh, gosh. But I like to follow them. Yeah. Um, I'll follow them in, you know, I let them get out there quite a ways, sure. but, uh, I like to follow them in and, and listen and, um, 
you know, they're crossing the river and in whatever, and then just walking up to them. And, uh, when they're treed and you know, they have it and you look up and I have a little red light and, Okay. You know, I'm always shining it around and, um, you take either a, a 22 or, um, uh, sometimes I'll take my, uh, 20 gauge pump okay. and, you know, uh, but you know, coon season here in Ohio is actually fairly short, um, oh, okay. which is actually kind of sad because, um, we have a huge population mm. and especially, you know, in like farm country where we live, I mean, everybody has coon problems, you know, sure. they're getting the grain bins and all kinds of things. And so there's a couple of farms that, that I go to during the season and the farmers are real happy when I take the coons out. Um, but, um, yeah, I run public land and private land and there's, there is a big misconception that a lot of people won't let you run your coon dogs during deer season. Cause they oh, think okay. they run. And I will say if your dog is, is trashy, so to speak, uh. <laughs> and, it, and it runs and it runs deer, then yeah, that's a problem. That's mm. a huge problem. But if you have a dog that is strictly focused on coon, For, like yeah. mine are there, um, they are not going to, uh, uh, scare the deer. I mean, um, I've even several different times I've had where my dogs will, um, be treed on private land, um, or actually, I'm sorry, public land, um, and the times that I can think of, and there have been deer bedded down maybe 30 mm. yards from where they were. Wow. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. gosh. Yeah. That'd be so fun to do. Um, yeah. it's I, a lot of fun. It's like, oh, I bet. It's like you're walking out in the woods and it's like the Blair Witch Project movie. Like, it's like, you know, I can't like tell it's a you little, a little leery. I mean, that's, it is. It takes some it guts. Is. You, you gotta be a confident person. That's for oh, sure. For sure. Um, are, are I, training coon hounds? Is that like, is, is the biggest thing you're training them to do is like, uh, besides the scenting, I'm, so I'm talking like, you know, pointing dog, you're working on steadiness, recall, whoa, like there's some different aspects. Are coonhounds really just recall? Is that the biggest thing you're working on them with besides ascenting and all that? Well, no. So there's a whole, so just like as you're teaching a dog um, to stand on a bird and to stand steady, it's the same thing as you're teaching a dog to stand on a tree. Um, especially dogs that are used for comp hunting. Again, something else I've never done, but would like to do with a potentially another set of dogs. Um, you want a dog to stay up on a tree, mm. just looking up and, okay. and barking. Um, you don't want a dog to leave a tree. So that's, that's all part of the, the process wow. when okay. you're training one. Um, sometimes you'll tie a dog back off of a tree so that it, it keeps them wanting to get uh, on. The tree. Interesting. So, so yeah, there, there is a little bit more to it. And again, I'm not an expert by any means, but, <laughs> but you I, know, you're, you're figuring it out, you're having fun. You're, you're oh, asking questions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a blast with these dogs and I still do. And I take them out year round. Um, they run my woods every single night mm. and thankfully we don't have a huge coon population around here anymore. I wonder why, but I mean, um, <laughs> in our little area, anyways, they've kind of, uh, pushed out of our woods. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a blast. Just wanted to take a quick break and remind you to check out 
on X hunt and use my promo code TUR20. It's going to save you 20% off your Onyx Hunt subscription. Guys, the, the detail and the layers that Onyx provides is something I use in the off-season, in-season, year-round um, to scout out, map out new locations that I want to hunt and chase more wild birds. So uh, get your Onyx Hunt subscription today, TUR20. Almost all white. Okay. Um, she has a little bit what they call like lace on her ears and she has she actually has a heart on the top of her head oh not cool. kidding it, it's like a little a little orange heart on the oh, top of her head that's and, awesome yeah yeah it's just yeah so she just she's completely white okay. but she has the um the orange on her ears and that little spot on her head okay. and i think as she ages she might get some light ticking through her oh. back oh nice but other than that, no, she's completely white. She's like a ghost. Freaking gorgeous. <laughs> love, love I think you and I, a while back, we talked about just like, there's something about a white dog. That's just, oh. there's, there's something special. And that's, and that's why I was, I mean, honestly, mostly drawn to picking gauge. My older one is because yeah. out of the whole litter, he had the least amount of orange. And I was just, for whatever reason, I was drawn to that. The, the less orange, the better. And I was like, I like the white more white, the better. Oh, I love it. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, not to say that there aren't dogs that are, um, with the patches and yeah. stuff. There's some they, very like, unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, but I love, uh, both of mine. They're like completely white. Like Tess is, um, behind her and she is completely white. She doesn't have any ticking on her body. She's completely white, but she has an orange mask on her okay. face. Okay. And I love that too. That, but that's yeah, cool. I, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the all white. Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, I I I haven't shared this with a lot of people. I was va- I, like this close to buying a pointer uh, a few months ago. I I don't know what got into me. I was like, these dogs are awesome. I gotta have one. And then I kind of like snap back into like Brittany mode. I was like, oh, I love the Britneys. They're they're amazing. So um, they are actually, super super cute. Yeah, no, they're they're Thank great. You. But the pointers, gosh, they're just. I, I I had my name on a list. I was like, I talked to a couple of breeders, and I was like, I was in. But then I was like, oh, well, know. you know what? Um, a lot of I have a couple of friends that are guides, um, in Oregon, and they their two breeds of choice is Britney's and pointers. Oh, interesting. And and that's, that's oh, like cool. mainly what both of them have is yeah. Britney's and pointers. They have a couple dogs in between as like filler sure. dogs, but those are the dogs that they keep and they yeah. breed. Interesting. Um, yeah. They, they think that the Britney's work better in different cover and then the pointers work better in yeah. you know, a different kind of cover for wherever they're, they're guiding at. But yeah. Yeah, that's so, it's so basically easy. what you're saying is the Britneys and pointers are kind of like the top two, you know, <laughs> yeah, bird dog. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. get it. And I get it. Pretty much means that you need to get a pointer. I mean, so. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> my, uh, my wife was, she was giving me a hard time. And we, I was kind of in this pointer realm. She's like, well, like your, your whole thing is called Upland Brit. She's like, it's going to throw it all off. And I'm like, well, yes, that's kind of true. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see maybe someday. <laughs> yeah but they're, they're cool. i see they're, it in your future yeah i, don't know. I, I can see it too the, I, honestly the one of the big things for me and this is so weird is the long tails i, I think yeah. they look awesome but also i'm like oh, i don't want my pasta all over the house and yeah <laughs> the dog comes over but who knows i used to have well, goldens growing up and they, they did it all the time oh yeah 
Well, and something else is like, you got to have a pointer with a good tail, mm. right? So like, I feel like with dogs with dock tails, you can get away with like, yeah. well, it's, it's docked. So it's sure. only going to look a certain way, but like, it's gotta be straight it- <laughs> you know, or some like fancy has a little tip on hers. I was going to say, like- cause some, some of those like pointers and setters, they go up, but they curve a little bit. Yeah. And you don't ever you don't- want one. You don't oh. want one that curves like this. You don't. Want okay. One. Yeah. They call it a sickle tail. Oh, okay. Don't, don't put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be like mean to people. But no, no. Yeah, they, well, well they, there's, stand, there's like breed standards and there's like confirmation. Yeah. So like a, you're saying a straight tail, like straight up is like the ideal. It, it's like, what is like most, like what you want, gotcha. like what you want, but like, like candy, she never had, she didn't have a straight tail, but she didn't have a sickle tail. She held it more like this, okay. which isn't frowned upon. Yeah. There's a lot of super, super, um, you know, really prestigious dogs that have won national championships, uh, in the all age division that don't have great tails, but they can just run like gangbusters and find birds. Um, but I think the, like the standard of what you want is you want that, you know, that dog that stands with its head up and its yeah. tail up and gotcha. You know, it's like a statue type thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, they're, they're beautiful on point. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Brooke. So two more things here before we get wrapped up, um, yes. talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned it earlier on in the episode here, um, taking some maybe trips out West. One first thing, have you hunted outside of Ohio? But then to talk about your plans coming up this fall. Yeah. So I have hunted outside of Ohio. Um, I've gone to PA and West Virginia. Again, not good places to hunt wild birds. Um, but we did get into woodcock and grouse, which was great. Nice. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to really see um, my my dog. I only had tests at the time on a different like terrain, like watching her run the mountainsides it was like watching a, like a completely different dog. Mm -hmm. It was so incredible. Um, and a super experience for me. Um, so yeah, we, we've done that. Um, we plan to go to Michigan this year, which we have gone to, um, with candy previously, we've gone to Michigan hunted grouse with candy. Um, but, uh, we plan to go to, uh, let me get this right. Cause it's like a, it's a, it's a, a planned are, are you doing the Ben Taylor trip? Yes. Okay. Okay. He's, he's, <laughs> he tried to get me to come last year and meet him up in okay. think, South okay. or North Dakota. I couldn't. Um, and we're talking about maybe meeting up again. Yes. So that would be cool. So I plan to go with him. That's awesome. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the trip, the Ben Taylor trip. Um, is it, is it, uh, Minnesota? Yeah. Cause you he went, I think start- he, did he do Michigan? Yes. But I don't think he wants to do that this time. Okay. So like Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then over. Yeah. And then, and then to South Dakota is what he wants to do. Okay. So I'm planning to do that, to do that. But then I also want to take a Kansas trip. Mm. Okay. So that's what I am planning for. Nice. So would you, would you, on the same trip, are you thinking you would, after South Dakota, you go down to Kansas or. I mean, that's the hope and pray. (laughs) Um, it's I, I know how that, I know how that goes. The planning process can be, can be tricky. Yes. I, get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, and, 
and Eric will be going with me hopefully as well. Yep. Um, and he is again, Mr. Waterfowl. So it's gotta be like, I have to go places where, you know, I can shoot waterfall ducks. opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so he, um, religiously, um, has gone to North Dakota almost every single year for like the last four years, okay. um, uh, for ducks and swans. So, um, he, you know, if he does that, I will definitely go with him and I will go do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You just go together and then kind of split off and do your own, yeah. own thing. And meet up. We, yeah. Meet up with me later. But yeah, yeah, we're, I'm planning on doing the Ben Taylor trip. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. We I'm, can call I'm, that. We can call it the yeah. Ben Taylor <laughs> ben, if ben, I hope you're listening to this. You've become, uh, you, you have a trip named after you now. So yes. you kind of made it, made it famous last year. I was so dang close to trying to meet him up uh, last year, but uh, I forget why it didn't work, but um, I'm, I'm kind of in that process right now. I, um, Nebraska. So, so September, I'm definitely doing like a four or five day trip to the sand Hills, Nebraska, probably, uh, mm -hmm. chasing, uh, sharp tail grouse. And then awesome. my big trip will be a Montana trip, which I am very, very excited about, uh, for Hans and, Hans and sharp tail. So I'm, but then, then I have a buddy in North Dakota who's trying to convince me away from Montana and go up to North Dakota. So, I'm a little bit torn, Jeremy. Well, I know you're, I know you're listening to this and <laughs> I'm still undecided on what I'm doing, but I say do both. Hey, <laughs> why not? You know, <laughs> the more the merrier. Uh, yeah. Honey, uh, have fun with the kids at home. I will see you in a month. <laughs> I know. And that, that's the hard part is, is getting away. Um, thankfully like Eric, he, he has a construction company. And so, um, his downtime is, you know, the, the winter. So like he nice. can plan trips, he usually goes up to Niagara too, and hunts the river. Um, but it's, it's harder for me to get away because I sure. have so many animals oh, yeah. and trying to find people to, to watch that, that, you know, you trust. Sure. Um, it's a big deal. That's always tough. Yeah. It's tough. All right. So last question. And, um, well, actually not last question. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the very end, I, I go through a rapid fire question section. So we'll go through those, but, um, I'd like to ask everyone, uh, like what's one piece of advice you would give a new hunter or a new bird dog owner just getting started into this. And my one caveat is with you, I, I know it might be a little different because you're, you've kind of, um, are in a lot of different things. You're in coon hounds, you're in bird dogs, you're in horses, like you're in a lot of different spaces, but just as best as you can, like what's you know, just taking your average person. They're, they're just getting started. They got their first bird dog. They want to get into upland hunting. Like what's something you would, you would share with them. I would circle back, um, to what I said before about like setting goals, mm. set goals for yourself as you know, what you want to accomplish, set goals for your dog and, and write them down and, um, you know, talk, to, you know, do, do all the research that you can. I mean, if you're going to take it seriously, um, pretend like it's a college course and you got to learn everything that you can. And, um, you know, there's a big test at the end or something. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, write down your goals. And another huge thing that I will say is, um, just because I feel like there's a lot of negativity, um, especially with social media, but don't let, you know, your, your failures, cause you're going to have them. Don't let your failures, um, like steal your joy. Mm. Um, you know, if you're loving it and you're passionate about it, you know, there's no time frame mm. um, for what you can accomplish with you and your dog. So, um, 
you know, don't, don't let other people, you know, ruin that for you. Cause there's always going to be somebody that says like, you're not doing it right. Or you don't have the right type of dog or whatever that is. And, and don't let people ruin that for you because it's just about you and the dog. Mm. And, um, yeah, so have fun with it and, you know, find, find somebody that you look up to, um, you know, as, as a, a mentor, if possible, and, um, you know, learn from them and ask as many questions as possible. So I think that's the approach that, that I've taken, um, because I still consider myself, you know, very, very new to all of this. And, um, it's been a tremendous experience and I hope that more people do it. Mm, that's so well said. <laughs> so well said. I love that. <laughs> write your goals down, people. Write your goals down. Yeah, write them down. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast before, but I, when I, I think Gage was a year old. I was again. I'm new. I'm figuring things out. I'm excited. Um, pheasant season just closed here in Colorado. I was at um, a hunt club here, and I remember I was talking with one of the guys who who works there. And he was talking to me about my season. He's like, hey, how'd it go? And I was like, it was okay. I was like, we saw some birds. And he's like, well, what kind of dog do you have? I was like, a Brittany. He's like, oh, you can't hunt pheasants with Brittany's or, or any pointer for that matter. So it's, it's not doable. It's not possible. And I remember leaving that conversation so discouraged. And right. this is my first yeah. season. I just finished with my first dog. I was so, I was excited. We saw birds. We, we, we harvested birds. Like I was feeling good. And I just remember leaving that like really down and just kind of like, oh, did I just get the wrong? Should I have gotten a flushing dog? Like I was, I was so confused. Um, but fast forward, like through, you know, mentors of mine, through people, through friends, all that. I'm like, you just what you said, like, doesn't matter. Like if you're enjoying it, having fun, like don't let other people's experience or their opinions, like really influence you. Cause as long yeah. as we're enjoying it, like that's, that's really what matters. I just never understood what, how people even, um, like I, I always like get made fun of, um, for being like, Oh, you're like too positive all the time. But it's like, how do people even have the time to be like that negative? Like what sure. was, what was bothering that man that day that made <laughs> sure. him tell you that? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's exactly. Just, it's so frustrating. Just be happy for other people. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's you know, right I, or wrong way. Yeah. I might not harvest as many pheasants as a, someone with a flusher has maybe, maybe not, but you know what? Like yeah. we had a great time. It was awesome. That's <laughs> was all that matters. One of my most memorable hunting seasons yet. Um, okay. So we are going into rapid fire section. So just give me kind of your off the cuff answer. If you need to expand on any of these, feel free. Okay. But so I'm, people Ready. always ask me, they're like, can I, can I expand? I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> but, um, okay. If not a pointer oh. or a, or a coon hound, okay. Cause you have both those breeds. Um, what is your, your favorite bird dog of choice? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Not an option, know. not an option. I know, I know. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe a Vizsla. Oh, I just, okay. I, I, and I don't know. I honestly don't know. I know that I really enjoy a big running dog, like a okay. big running athletic dog. And I have some friends that have Vizslas and they seem like they are, you know, just as um, athletic and, and big, hard charging dogs. So so maybe something like that. But again, um, I, I don't know. I feel like I would just get another pointer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I know we all have our, we all have our breed. I always say this. I'm yeah. like, there's no wrong breed. I'm like, no, there's not like, at all. Get, get out there, but we all, but I also want to acknowledge like we all have our preferences. Like you, yes. you, you lean towards the pointers. My buddy, Matt leans towards the GSPs. Like we all have yes. our, our things. So yeah. Nothing... And, and you know what? Um, I guess it would make sense that like we would have a lab, um, yeah. because he waterfowl hunts and, sure. um, Th- I, does Eric I, have a lab? He does not know okay. because and you know why he doesn't have a lab because all of his friends have labs. Oh, Everybody well, he doesn't he need one. With. He's fine. <laughs> he doesn't need one. So yeah. I don't know, maybe a cocker cockers seem oh, really cute. Those are cool. Yeah. And yeah. They seem like a really good duck dog or something yeah. like that. So I don't know, maybe, awesome. maybe I should get a waterfowl dog. Maybe there that's you go. So basically <laughs> I did not get a straight answer out of you, no, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. All right. A few more. Uh, solo hunt with just you and your dogs or a hunt with a couple friends of yours and your dogs. Um, again, I'll say both, but if I'm being super, super honest, I would say a solo hunt because one, I always shoot better when I'm by myself. Agreed. And two, I just enjoy the time with my dogs. Mm. I just really do. So I would say a solo hunt because I would probably do way better and feel less pressure. (laughs) Well said, well said. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the uplands? This is going to hurt feelings. Uh Oh, um, it's, uh, it's a waterfall gun. It's nothing wrong with that. It's a, uh, Benelli M2 20 gauge. Okay. Nice. Great yeah. choice. I'm a big, yeah, big, big I, Benelli fan. Scott, yeah. I, awesome. I shoot great with it. And, um, it was an upgrade from my pump and it's, um, it's been really good for me. And like other people have said on your podcast, it's like what you shoot best. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> totally. hundred percent. If you shoot it good, keep it Buy two of them. Yes. One breaks. <laughs> yes. That's what I, that currently that's what I'm shooting best. So I am sticking with that until something changes. That's great. Keep it up. Uh, favorite bird species to hunt. Well, right now, I guess I'll just say woodcock, so, Okay, but that will change. I'm sure that will change yeah. new experiences, new exposures this yes. year. Maybe. Okay. Awesome. Uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. Vodka always. Ooh, okay. Nice. Vodka, um, with a, a big splash of lemon juice. I mean, nice. a ginormous splash. All right. That's a, that's a first. Most guys are like going like Coors or, or I think my last episode, he said, uh, some kind, some kind of liquor. Bourbon, bourbon maybe. Bourbon. Yeah. Maybe like old fashioned or something bourbon. like that. I forget. Yeah. You're, you're paying attention. Yeah. Oh yeah. Greg, Greg was awesome. He was like, <laughs> Like your classic like pheasant hunter he's just like yeah. he's the kind of guy you want to like sit down and have, a, have a beer with but yes okay this one i know is going to put you in, oh. a, in a pickle i don't know if you saw this on the on the list or not horses or dogs just horses or dogs what is the phrase that people say like you you dance with the one that brought you sure so i <laughs> i guess it would first it would be horses because horses brought brought me to dogs. To the dogs. Okay. I can see brought that. Brought me to dogs. So, um, but yeah, um, I would say though, as of the last, you know, five, oh man, last 10 years. Wow. Time goes by fast. Last 10 years. Um, I have been so solely focused on, on the dogs, but 
the horses are one that brought me. So. Okay. So you're yes, sticking, horses. sticking by the horses. Yeah. That makes me really sad to say. But <laughs> <it is. laughs> That's awesome. Well, Brooke, no, no, I, yeah, I, I kind of felt like I threw the end there at the last minute. I was like, you know, I'm going to see if, see if she can answer this. One. Yeah. Um, so Brooke, thank you first off, just, um, for jumping on here, uh, just sharing your passions about horses and dogs and hunting and coon hounds and, um, and even the trial aspect. I really liked, uh, liked hearing about that more. Um, what is a good way for people just to follow you, get a hold of you if they have questions or, or uh, keep up with what you're doing? Uh, I think it's just Brooke Lanning. Um, okay. Instagram and Facebook. Um, okay. so yeah, no, thank you so much for, for having me. This has been a blast. I'm it's, sorry. It's actually I... Brooke underscore landing. Oh, okay. Just, I just thank checked. You. I just, just <laughs> double checked. I had it pulled up. <laughs> that is correct. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait. Uh, hopefully you get on that Ben Taylor trip. Um, yes. hopefully you have a blast and, and, uh, checking out some new species and new land and that'll be a blast, but I uh, definitely would love to have you uh, back on the podcast in the future. So absolutely. It'll be updated and there'll yeah. be more goals to check off. So. Absolutely. Yes. We'll <laughs> talk about those goals. Yes. Awesome. Brooke. Well, thanks again. And, uh, you have a great, uh, rest of your kind of training season, getting ready for hunting and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, that is a wrap of episode 13. Brooke, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation, talking everything from trialing your dogs, coon dogs, pointing dogs, uh, pointers, I will say, uh, hunting in Ohio. Ben Taylor, you better be listening to this episode. That's all I got to say. Uh, yeah, hearing about your trip out west, um, just your your love for the uplands and bird dogs and horses and animals in general. Um, Brooke, I really appreciate that conversation. Hey guys, listen up and remember, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, it's only going to help the podcast get out there to more hunters just like you. Uh, written reviews always help. I read every single written review. Uh, we're up to about 50 now and they just mean the world to me. Um, it really encourages me, uh, but also we got to please Apple's algorithm. <laughs> it really does help uh, push the podcast out there to more people. Hey, don't forget about the Dakota 283 giveaway closing at the end of July. Get your stories written in. I want to hear how you got started upland hunting or why and what got you into bird dogs. Um, craft your story. doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, send it in. I will read it on the air and I will try to do a better job of reading those on the podcast as well. Uh, jumbled those a little bit. Um, anyways, guys, um, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, remember, if you're not fortunate enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots. Take care.